Hello, my name is Brittany Wood Nickerson, and this is the Time Herbal Podcast. Today we're going to be covering herbs for skin health, and we're going to be talking about the use of herbs both internally and externally to support vibrant, glowing, healthy skin from the inside out. So this really is holistic wellness at its finest. And this particular lecture that I'm going to share with you today is an excerpt from my introductory herbal apprenticeship program, The Art of Home Herbalism Online. You can learn more about Time Herbal and our in-person as well as online courses at timeherbal.com. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this lesson. Welcome to Herbs for Skin Health. Today we're going to be talking about how to use herbs both internally and externally to support vibrant, healthy skin. External applications will be topical applications, and internal applications will be how we can use herbs to affect the health of our inner system in a way that will have a positive outcome on the health of the skin as an external organ. As you have learned in previous lessons this month, the skin is both an organ of assimilation and elimination. It is responsible for both absorbing nutrients and also eliminating waste. It is one of the four major organs of elimination in the body, along with the lungs, bowel, and kidneys. And the major ways that it excretes waste is through oil and sweat. On average, the skin can be responsible for releasing up to a, and processing up to a quarter of the body's waste, which is a huge amount. Because these four major eliminatory organs are all working together to process and eliminate waste from the body, the health of the skin is often a reflection of the health of some of the other internal organs, the eliminatory organs, as well as the health of the entire inner ecology. If the skin is under stress, it's often a sign that other eliminatory organs are under stress or that in general the body is under stress for a particular reason. Different things that can cause stress that may show up in the skin. One would be stress, the way we know it, stress to the nervous system. This could be stress from work, relationship, environment. We can also have stress that's put on the body from things that we're ingesting or being exposed to. These might be environmental, exposure to toxins or other substances in our environment that put stress on the body and then the stress shows up in the skin, mostly because the skin is trying to remove those stressors or those toxins from the system. We may also be exposed to stressors through our diet and poor diet choices will put stress on the eliminatory organs because the body needs to process things that are in the food that we're eating. And one of the ways that we eliminate waste from the food we're eating is through the skin. Again, this would mostly show up if other eliminatory systems are backed up. Could be the bowels, could be the kidneys, could even be the lungs. One common thing that we see with skin issues is a correlation between skin issues and food allergies. And this would be a sign that the body is continually being exposed to some kind of stress, aka a food that it doesn't digest. And it's putting stress on the major eliminatory systems in the body, and the skin is one of the ways that we notice, or the one of the ways that the um, body, quote-unquote, suffers the consequences of consistent consumption of that 
food that it's not digesting. The most common with skin issues are dairy and wheat. I would say dairy is particularly common in children, but even adults can show relief of some skin issues by eliminating certain foods in the diet. With food intolerances or allergies, I usually suggest that people remove the food that is aggravating them from the diet for several months while they use herbs to support digestive wellness and then slowly see if they can reintroduce that food back into their diet. Sometimes with an intolerance rather than an allergy, it's easy to work on digestive health, repair the system, and then reincorporate that food. Um, but again, in the beginning, there may be a time when you need to eliminate or drastically reduce your consumption of that food. Some people are going to notice direct correlations. They stop eating a particular food that they anticipate may be an al allergen or an aggravant, and they notice direct results within weeks. Other people aren't going to notice that. If you don't notice that, then a food allergy or a food intolerance is likely not your problem um, related to skin health, that is. So those are some notes on diet. To start with, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, herbs that we can use internally to support skin health, and then we'll move on to talk about herbs and categories of herbal actions that we can use externally or topically to support skin health. You would like to have your handout available as we go through this material. Um, this is Materia Medica for Skin Health, and we're going to be starting with page two, Internal Support for Healthy Skin. With these herbs, we're talking about using herbs internally on a regular basis to support the health of our skin, both externally and internally. So the first category of herbal actions that we're going to talk about are alteratives. And alteratives have a normalizing um, and balancing effect on overall eliminatory channels in the body and on the metabolism. In general, they work to support, maintain, and restore balance of regular, everyday metabolic processes. The consequence or effect that this has on the system is one of gentle detoxification and often of providing nutrients. You'll notice that a lot of the lists on a lot of the herbs listed on the alternatives section of the handout are highly nutritious. Nettle, dandelion leaf, cleavers, red clover, violet. These are all herbs that have very high vitamin and mineral content. So they're likely working by both cleansing and detoxifying and supporting function of the eliminatory organs while at the same time offering some nutrition. That's both healing and supportive of the skin and also healing and supportive of the skin and other eliminatory organs. Generally, alternatives support elimination in the body by supporting either liver or kidney function, and you'll notice that many of the alternatives overlap with the lymphatics, which are supporting the movement of lymph fluid, and the movement of lymph fluid is very closely connected to skin health because the, the lymph, or the interstitial fluid, flows just beneath the surface of the skin. It both nourishes, um, carries waste to, and uh, waste away from the skin. So very important for healthy skin is healthy lymph and clean, well-circulating well lymph fluid. 
So alternatives and lymphatics are both going to be very important for, support, for internal use for supporting the health of the skin. And to get good effects, we want to be using them as tonics. We want to be using them on a regular and consistent basis. If we were going to have them as a tea or an herbal infusion, we would have one to three cups a day, five to seven days a week. If we were going to be taking it as a tincture, we would have 30 to 60 drops. That would mostly be determined by weight. Um, 30 to 60 drops of the tincture taken two to three times a day, five to seven days a week. And of course, in general, the more the better, um, because the more consistent use of these things, the better results that you will see. The other thing that's important in addition to the alternatives and the lymphatics are that um, one drinks enough water. The lymph fluid, like I said, is flowing just beneath the surface of the skin. It's responsible for um, a large, it's largely responsible for the health of the skin. And if the, um, if the body's dehydrated and the lymph fluid is insufficient, the volume of fluid is insufficient, then those fluids will move more sluggishly and it will back up the skin and the lymph as an eliminatory system. When we stay nice and hydrated, there's, there's ample lymph fluid to bathe the cells and support the health of the skin. So drinking uh, enough fluids, good water, and reducing our consumption of diuretic liquids like coffee, black tea, and alcohol, for example, is gonna be really important to go in tandem with our use of alternatives and lymphatics. For those of you that have a tendency towards dryness or dehydration, I'll draw your attention to the alternatives which are diuretic. Diuretics are herbs that, um, or substances that increase the flow of urination and they have a, the effect of reducing water volume. So they would be quote unquote dehydrating. Nettle and dandelion root and are both examples of mild diuretics. So if you're someone who's easily prone to being dehydrated, you would want to shy away from or use in moderation herbs that are diuretic, such as nettle and dandelion leaf. Another category of herbal actions that I find helpful with supporting the skin from the inside out are antimicrobials. The skin is a host to a plethora of what I would consider to be friendly bacteria. And the bacteria live on the surface of the skin, they coexist uh, with, the, with the system, um, and they're responsible for eliminating a lot of harmful bacteria. They actually help protect the body from harmful bacterial invasions. And this is and similar, you can consider the, the um, way that this bacteria supports the system, similar to the way that um, healthy or probiotic bacteria in the gut helps with the support and supports the digestive system. It's very similar on the surface of the skin. So this bacteria lives on the surface of the skin and is helpful and protective for us. Uh, occasionally we can have infection or we can have a growth of unhealthy bacteria or organism that are existing on the skin. And this is often common with chronic skin conditions like eczema or psoriasis, where there's inflammation and possible infection that results from these chronic skin issues. And when this is the case, when, when there's suspicion 
either from inflammation or active infection, that there's a bacterial imbalance at the surface of the skin, you want to be you want to consider using antimicrobial herbs internally alongside alternatives and lymphatics to support the health of the skin externally. This doesn't mean that we wouldn't also use those antimicrobials externally or topically. We will talk about that in a moment, but you may also want to consider adding those antimicrobials into um, some kind of an internal herbal formula, again, alongside the lymphatics and the alternatives. And lastly, I often use diuretics. Uh, I'm sorry, diaphoretics. And diaphoretics are herbs that support sweating. Um, they actually draw fluid and moisture and uh, from the internal core of the body out to the periphery and they induce a sweat. The effects may be rather mild or rather intense depending on the person and the herb that you use. In general, diaphoretic herbs work better when they're taken hot. So um, the ones on this list, elderflower, linden, yarrow, catnip, and peppermint. If you were to drink a cool peppermint tea, it likely wouldn't have a diaphoretic action. But if you were to drink a hot peppermint tea, it would have a mild diaphoretic action, opening the pores and stimulating the secretion of sweat. And oil. What this does is it opens up clogged pores, clears blockages, and helps support the skin as an organ of elimination. So if you anticipate or suspect that there's blockages um, and you want to kind of open the skin and clear the pores, then using diaphoretics alongside some of these other herbs can be effective. There's several ways that I go about using the herbs um, internally to support skin health. Usually I start with the basics. I always think it's good to start simple. Um, I like to start with one herb at a time often, and then I'll move from there. So for example, I may start with something simple like nettle infusions or dandelion leaf I'm sorry, dandelion root tincture um, as a tonic. And I might just use one or another of those herbs um, on a regular basis in a tonic way, uh, regular, regular use for maybe one to three months and I'd see what kind of results I got. And if I didn't get good results or even if I did, I might move on from there to combine other herbs together um, maybe I try ned clo uh, red clover along with nettle, um, along with a little bit of peppermint, um, and I have someone drink it hot to, again, open up the pores and get that diaphoretic action going. So you have the choice. You can either start simple, just one herb at a time, which I often recommend, and I often recommend it because it works very well, or if you suspect that several herbs on this list would be helpful for you from different categories, feel free to combine them together. Thinking about what form to use them in, whether it's a tea or an infusion or a tincture, is largely going to depend on what's going to work for you in your lifestyle. If it works for you to sip the tea uh, two to three times a day or one to three times a day um, on a regular basis, then go for that because the liquid in the tea will help hydrate the body and that's part of supporting good healthy lymph fluid and therefore good healthy skin. Um, if it feels like too overwhelming to um, do a tea, three cups a day, um, or even less, then you may consider a tincture, which pre-prepared is much easier to take. You could just take 30 to 60 drops of the tincture two to three times a day. That may be easier than making and drinking a tea. Another option would be to choose something to take as a tincture on a regular basis and then supplement with a tea as um, 
as you're available to do so. So maybe you make yourself a nice little blend of metal and calendula and violet and maybe a little peppermint for flavor and you put it on your desk at work and you try to make yourself a cup or so of the tea a day but then you're also taking your burdock root tincture for example um, at home morning and night so you're combining a variety of different both applications tea tincture and infusion and also herbs um, into your lifestyle and um, hopefully with with great effects so when we're supporting the health of the skin from the inside out, we want to think of this as being appropriate for any skin issue across the board. So it could be something more chronic like eczema, um, it could be uh, long-term eczema, or it could just be seasonal or um, a situational eczema. It could be um, a rash, like a skin, skin rash or heat rash, that often happens. Um, could be a rash like poison ivy. When you get poison ivy, you want to be using alternatives to support the um, the release of heat and other toxins um, and the movement of good lymph. Um, it could be a chronic skin issue like psoriasis. Um, could be a skin infection. And it could also be something that is either acute or chronic like acne or boils. Or something like this. So essentially any skin issue can benefit from any number of um, these, these different herbs um, and these different categories of herbal actions. So one thing that I think is really important to remember is that these, the internal treatment and the use of herbs internally to support the health of the skin externally is just as important, if not more important, than supporting the skin from the outside or topically, which is what we'll talk about next. So when we talk about using herbs to support the skin topically or externally, I want to draw your attention to a couple of different applications or preparations. Earlier in this unit, we um, talked about making herbal infused oils. And herbal infused oils in a variety of different base oils are certainly an excellent way to apply the therapeutic properties of herbs externally to the skin. And oil in itself carries many medicinal properties for the skin, so that, combined with the healing properties of the herbs, makes a great preparation. We can also turn those herbal-infused oils into salves and lotions and balms, which, will be, which we will cover later on in the course. We can use our um, knowledge of making water-based medicines and turn some of these topical, topically supportive herbs into teas and infusions and use those teas and infusions in an herbal soak, a sitz bath, where you soak one or more parts of the body in a strong herbal tea. Sitz bath, a sitz bath could be used on a cut or a wound. You could soak your hand. Um, often the vaginal or anal area is soaked to support hemorrhoids or postpartum or to support a yeast infection or some other kind of an infection. You can also use those teas and infusions in a bath or a foot bath. So make a strong brew, half gallon or so of herbal tea and pour it into a hot, freshly run bath and then soak in the um, herbal tea or preparation. Um, and you could do the same in a foot bath, prepare a strong herbal tea or infusion and then soak just the feet. So er an herbal bath is sort of a takeoff on a sitz bath. Um, but you may be having using them for different or different reasons or different parts of the body. A sitz bath is essentially in isolation, just one body part, whereas a bath you may be soaking the whole the whole system. 
Um, an herbal bath might be appropriate for relaxation, for a skin infection, um, for something like poison ivy or chicken pox, something that's sort of taking over more of the whole system, where you may choose a sitz bath if just one or more body part is afflicted. We can also take um, dried or fresh herbs and we can turn them into a compress. A compress is a preparation where you make a decoction with either dried or fresh herbs and then you soak a washcloth or a piece of cotton flannel into that, per that the water-based preparation, wring it out gently and apply it to the skin wherever is appropriate. With the compress, I think it's really important to continue to keep it warm for as long as possible. I'll often put a, a piece of plastic bag maybe over the compress with a towel and a heating pad um, or a hot water bottle and that'll keep the heat in for as long as possible. And the heat helps the herbs penetrate and also can have a healing effect. Of course, if you were doing a um, compress on something that was hot and irritated like poison ivy or sun, sun heat, uh, heat rash, then you would want to do a cool compress instead. A poultice is when you take the fresh herb, the fresh herb and you apply it directly to the skin either mashing it up with a bit of water or a bit of oil and just applying it directly to the skin and then removing it and discarding it and composting it. That's called a poultice. A final way that you could prepare herbs to apply topically would be in what's called a liniment. And a liniment is essentially a less expensive way um, to make um, uh, herbal extract. Instead of making the extract in a food grade alcohol, you would make the extract using rubbing alcohol, which is much less expensive, but is only appropriate for topical use. So you would make an herbal extract in exactly the same way that you prepared an herbal tincture, take the herbs, either fresh or dry, put them into a jar, completely cover them with the rubbing alcohol, let them sit one month, and then strain out the plant material after a month. And then you are left with the herbal, the properties of the herbs infused into the rubbing alcohol, and that can be used topically. It can be used to heal um, or clean a cut or a wound or an abrasion. It could be um, diluted into hot water to be used as a sitz bath, etc. So it has a lot of different applications and it's appropriate um, in a lot of situations. I particularly appreciate liniments for the first aid kit, the herbal first aid kit, because it provides a really easy to use and tr easy to transport disinfectant. That being said, of course, you can also use a regular food grade or internally appropriate alcohol extract made from your 100 proof vodka or whatever you use to make your tinctures, you can also use that topically, diluting it in water or applying it directly to the skin. Um, liniment would just be, you know, perhaps a more affordable option, but either are appropriate and both are really equal in terms of their medicinal value. So all of these uses of um, or applications can be used with any of the herbs that we're going to talk about. There may be some situations where one one or more of the applications or preparations may lend themselves better to the to the particular skin affliction that we're working with. The same way that I talked about 
Um, sometimes it being better to use cold water, sometimes it being better to use hot water, but in general, any of these applications can be used with any of the herbs. So when we move on to talk about the herbs, which we'll do in just a moment, you want to keep the diversity of potential applications in mind, knowing that you can apply any of these herbs from any category of herbal actions to the different preparations and applications that we have available to us. So let's talk about some of these categories of herbal actions that can support the skin on an external level. The first and possibly the most important are vulnerables, And vulnerables are herbs that support the, the um, health of the skin and they increase the rate that skin cells regenerate themselves. So they have an overall healing effect on the skin and they can heal and repair tissue damage. They can be useful in supporting um, or helping to remove scar tissue. And many of them have secondary actions of being either anti-inflammatory or helping to heal muscle or tendon trauma that can be sort of applied on top of their, their vulnerary. Um, effects or uses. But in essence, a vulnerary is an herb that supports the health or regrowth of skin tissue and has an overall healing effect on the skin tissue that it comes into contact with. So some great examples are calendula, plantain, comfrey, St. John's wort, and self-heal, prunella. So these are great herbs to consider adding into a general um, healing oil or a general healing salve. They might be good for a lip balm. Um, and if you, if in doubt, if you don't have a lot of skin issues and you're not treating anything in particular, then vulnerables are just an excellent way to support overall general skin health. We also have what I call extractants. And extractants are herbs that help to remove, draw out, or pull um, material from inside the skin up to the surface. So examples might be you get an affliction like a splinter and you have a piece of wood or bark under the skin. And an extractant um, applied as a poultice or in water in a sitz bath or a wash would actually help to pull that foreign body out to the surface of the skin. It may also be appropriate with um, a pimple or a boil some, something where there's actually pus or infection beneath the surface, an extractant would help to pull that out. It's also appropriate for bug bites or bee stings or any kind of an affliction where you have something foreign inside of you, like the venom of a bee sting, for example. And the extractants, again, when applied topically in either a sitz bath or a poultice or a compress can actually help to pull that out. And they can have really profound and important effects. And if someone has been stung many times by a bee, by a bee for example, or a wasp, and if there's, especially if there's any allergy, if there's any allergy, you definitely wanna get them to the hospital right away. But in the meantime, applying um, an extractant as a poultice can be extremely effective. And I've used this myself and um, it's been very effective and helpful. So by far my favorite of these herbs in this category are is plantain. And plantain 
um, is a very common weed that has been naturalized all throughout the United States. You can find it growing in almost any region. It loves to grow in roadsides and waste places and in compacted soils. It's a common garden weed and can be found almost anywhere in a lawn or a garden. There's two varieties, the broadleaf, which is Plantago major, and the narrow leaf, which is Plantago lanceolata. Both can be used medicinally interchangeably, and they are both just as common. So whichever one you have available to you, you can use that or you can use both. And plantain I commonly refer to as nature's band-aid because it's everywhere and it's almost always there right when you need it. Um, I would say the majority of things, of cuts or scrapes or first aid things that we need support with that happen outside the kitchen happen outside. Um, and whether it's a cut or a scrape or a splinter or a bee sting or a bug bite, plantain is almost always there outside for you when you need it. So you can just pick a few leaves and I make the poultice right in my mouth. I just put a few leaves in my mouth, I chew it up, and I take the, the ball of plantain leaf and my saliva and I put it directly on the skin and then I leave it on for anywhere from five to ten minutes um, and if you want you can then replace it with a fresh fresh batch of um, plantain but it has wonderful really effective results. Plantain of course can be used beyond that in an herbal infused oil, um, a tea, a sitz bath, um, etc. But I would say that I commonly use it as a poultice just right outside in the garden because that's often when I need it and that's when it's available to me. Our next category of herbal actions are nutritives and nutritives are um, herbs that are incredibly high in vitamins and minerals that heal or support the health of the skin by offering nutrition. It won't be a surprise that nettle is on this list. Nettle, an herb that supplies a lot of nutrition internally, will also supply that same nutrition externally. I use nutritives commonly with very dry skin um, and with uh, things, conditions such as eczema, um, with or without a dryness, where nourishing and healing the skin will help with relieving symptoms, um, especially symptoms related to inflammation, itching, and dryness. Calming herbs are another category of herbal actions that can be very helpful for um, external use and supporting the skin. As we've discussed, the skin is closely connected to the health of our nervous system. And when the neurological system is stressed out, it will be reflected in the skin, and when the skin is stressed, it may be reflected in the neurological system. And so anytime there's stress, internally or externally, we want to support the nervous system by supporting the skin. We talked about the use of oils and herbal-infused oils topically to soothe, heal, and protect the nervous system and the skin as an organ of perception. And infusing those, those oils with calming herbs that relax and soothe the senses can have a positive beneficial effect on the nervous system. They work partly through aromatherapy. We absorb the scent and aroma through the nose and it affects the nervous system. But they also work by being absorbed into the skin and certain um, nerve supportive constituents are absorbed into the bloodstream and support the system. So these calming herbs would be important and supportive anytime there's stress, anxiety, depression. They are often helpful in oils, salves, or external applications for before bed. 
and they're often very helpful for children who are easily overstimulated and can benefit from nervous system calming supportive herbs. I also sometimes use them when there is directly neurological pain or issues. Um, an example of this might be a pinched nerve or sciatica, um, which is a pinched nerve, often caused by muscle tension. Muscle tension can be an issue of stress or anxiety in one's life. So using calming herbs externally helps soothe tight and tense muscles and can um, relieve pressure on nerves. It can also heal and support the health of the nerve tissue directly, which can have a positive effect on us on any kind of a ner nerve damage or pinched nerve. St. John's wort is probably my favorite um, in this way. It's a calming and soothing nervine and it directly supports the healing of nerve tissue. So taking it both internally to support nerve uh, tissue repair as well as externally it can absorb into the skin and heal the um, nerves from the outside in. So St. John's wort is an excellent herb to have in our toolkit here. Anti-inflammatory herbs are a category of herbs that you won't be surprised to hear that I use a lot. And I'm going to divide the, this into sort of two categories of anti-inflammatory herbs. Um, I'm going to, to talk about uh, deep, what I would consider deep tissue anti-inflammatories, and topical, more peripheral anti-inflammatories. So on our list here, we have black birch, arnica, and St. John's wort, which I would con consider to be anti-inflammatories to the muscular skeletal system. These are herbs that absorb in through the surface of the skin, and they reduce inflammation on an internal or muscular level. So it could be sore or tight muscles, it could be inflammation from a broken bone or arthritis or a torn muscle or ligament. It could be nerve inflammation, in which case St. John's wort would be particularly appropriate. And then we have chamomile and rose and calendula, which are herbs that I would consider to be more superficial and topical anti-inflammatories. And these would be appropriate after exposure to sun, for example, or if there was inflammation related to acne or eczema or psoriasis. Perhaps you've been out in the garden and you got yourself into some kind of a plant that you develop contact dermatitis to. One of these topical anti-inflammatories would be an excellent choice for reducing redness, burning, itching, or dryness associated right on the surface of the skin. Whereas the earlier herbs we talked about, the black birch, the arnica, the St. John's wort, those are more penetrating or deeper, and they're more considered to be anti-inflammatories for the muscular skeletal system. It's an important distinction and one that should be understood so that these herbs can be used correctly because it's very helpful to have deep anti-inflammatories as well as more surface anti-inflammatories. So you want to know which to use and when. Inflammation is generally a hot condition, usually is accompanied by a lot of heat. One sign of inflammation on the surface of the skin would be redness or itching, in which case it might be most soothing to the symptoms to apply um, topical anti-inflammatories such as chamomile, rose, or calendula in a form that's cooling. So for example, a wash or a sitz bath in a cold or cool herbal tea would be a wonderful relief for itching, irritated, or inflamed skin on the surface. Anti-inflammatory herbs are also important. These can be used directly I'm sorry, not anti-inflammatory. Antibacterial herbs are also important. These can be used directly with any kind of cut 
where there might be a risk of infection, and they can also be used anytime there is an infection. I often incorporate some kind of an antibacterial herb into a sitz bath or a soak because there's always the possibility that bacteria will develop. Um, so if in doubt, as you're, you're choosing an anti-inflammatory herb or a vulnerary or an extractant, perhaps consider choosing one that's also antibacterial or combining it with something else that is antibacterial as a way of offering that cleansing to the skin. Because we talked about how the skin has a delicate, is the home to a delicate balance of microorganisms and we want to promote the health of the good bacteria while at the same time not allowing proliferation of any bad bacteria that could cause infection. And to be clear, these antibacterial herbs would not disturb the growth of the, of the positive um, bacteria that's existing on the surface of the skin. It would eliminate the growth of pathogenic bacteria that could cause harmful infection. One herb of note here is lavender. The Latin of lavender, lavendula, comes from the Greek word lavar, which means to wash. And those of you that have studied the Romance languages would recognize that, that verb, lavar. Um, and lavender is a traditional bath herb from all over ancient Greece. It was used in bathhouses, and it's wonderful because it both smells delicious and has a cleansing effect. So it's used often in soaps and other body care products, and it's one that you can consider adding to your preparations both for smell and aromatherapy. You'll notice that lavender is right there on the calming list, so it has a calming effect. And then it's also going to be very cleansing, soothing, and of course it smells good. Similarly, but along slightly different lines, would be antifungal herbs. And antifungals are herbs that have the effect of eliminating or killing fungal infections or fungal invasions in the body externally. And many of these can be used internally as well, but we're talking about using them externally. So these would be herbs that would be appropriate to both treat or prevent fungal infections. Um, it could be something common like athlete's foot, or something like a, a toe fungus or a fingernail fungus, or in a more severe case, or maybe less common, something like ringworm that has a fungal component, you could use these and apply them topically to help treat or control symptoms. And again, you can use any of those external preparations that, that we talked about. I will point out that it's not always a good idea to put oil on a fungal infection because it can sort of lock in moisture and often um, fungal infections thrive in warm moist environments so you may want to consider doing something like a soak or a liniment um, as an application of an antifungal and then afterwards letting letting that part of the body air dry um, that can be the best treatment in some situations it is appropriate to use the oil so you'll have to just use your judgment there based off of the situation it may also depend a little bit on the part of the body. Applying oil as an antifungal to your feet and then putting them in socks and shoes and going around all day with a hot foot may not be the best, but if it's on, on your hand or your arm or something where it's continually exposed to oxygen, it may be less of a problem. Next we have rubefacient herbs, and rubefacients are herbs that increase the circulation of blood and other fluids to the surface of the skin. They're mildly stimulating. They may have a mild um, 
effect or consequence of causing a redness on the surface of the skin, but it's harmless. It's actually a good thing. And what it does is it increases the activity in that area. So by increasing the flow of blood and lymph, it increases the delivery of immune cells, of the properties and compounds that would heal the skin, that would fight infection, etc. It's also appropriate because it brings blood, it brings warmth, and can help with breaking up stagnation, cold, or tight or tense muscles, areas of the body that are particularly sore. I would often put one of these rubifacients into a oil that was for tight muscles or sore joints. And in increasing circulation and blood flow, that would bring with it movement, relief of pain, relief of inflammation, etc. Rosemary and mint are more cooling and refreshing rubifacients, whereas ginger and cayenne are more hot. So if you have someone whose symptoms of, let's say, arthritis are better in hot weather and better after a hot bath or a hot shower, then you might choose a warming, stimulating rubifacient like ginger or cayenne. If someone was irritated by heat and their inflammation was worse with heat, you might choose something like rosemary or mint. Astringent herbs topically applied tighten and tone tissues and close the pores. These are herbs that are commonly used in toners. Um, you wash your face with a nice hot water um, and then you close the pores or tone the skin with something astringent. Rose is very popular as is sage and black walnut is one that I use often. I should note that black walnut um, has a brown color. It's often used in dyes, so it can have um, a little bit of a color. It can color the skin a little bit, a, a light brown um, or even a yellowy color. So that may not be one that you wanna use on your face, but when appropriate, it, it um, is very helpful. So I use these herbs often as astringents to tonify the skin after you know washing the face for example but they may also be appropriate in an herbal bath or a sitz bath to heal tissue that has been undergone trauma or needs to be healed um, so it could be a cut or a scrape or a bruise or some other kind of a first aid situation it could be in a wound healing formula and i also commonly use them in sitz baths for the reproductive area postpartum after giving birth, um, astringents in a sit bath with anti-inflammatories and vulnerables is very effective. It may also be appropriate in a sit bath for hemorrhoids. It can be very healing and support the tonification of the region. So those might be some examples of times when I would use an, an astringent. Antispasmatics are herbs that help relieve spasms of the muscular system and the nervous system. So if there's a muscle spasm or cramping, an antispasmatic is appropriate. They're also very helpful with menstrual cramping where there's spasming of the ligaments and tendons around the uterine muscle. And again, you may supplement this with supporting these symptoms from the inside out as well, but this is what we're using topically to support cramping of the muscles or the tendons or the ligaments. Um, cramping or spasming, I should say. And then I often use antispasmatics in conjunction with 
um, herbs that help to relieve pain. And of course, I don't always use them with antispasmatics, but if there was a spasm, it may be causing pain, so I may combine it with that. And then of course, I use herbs that relieve pain on their own as well for tighter sore muscles, for neurological pain, etc. These are herbs that lend themselves really well to strong preparations. So what I'll often do is I'll, I'll usually apply herbs that relieve pain in herbal infused oils. And I may often combine that with a herbal extract or a tincture preparation of those same herbs or an essential oil of those same herbs. And that's because the alcohol extract and the essential oil are both stronger and therefore have a more noticeable impact when using herbs to relieve pain. So for example, I make a wintergreen infused herbal oil with fresh wintergreen leaves that I harvest here in the forest in the northeast, and then I also combine it with um, either tincture or the essential oil when I make a preparation. Same is true of black birch. I make a really delicious smelling black birch herbal infused oil, and then before I apply it, I add the tincture to the oil. And adding tincture to oil is sort of like adding um, oil and vinegar together to make a salad dressing. They don't mix. But if you give it a really good shake beforehand, they combine enough that when you apply it, the whatever beads of alcohol are existing or floating around in your herbal infused oil just soak directly into the skin. And um, that can be a way of getting the alcohol-soluble constituents or the properties of the essential oils into your herbal-infused oil, which, you know, herbal-infused oils are wonderful, but they don't extract as wide of a range of constituents as the alcohol does or as the essential oils contain. So I will often uh, um, combine those, especially with situations of pain, but really in any of these situations, you can combine um, an oil with a tincture. And that's a good thing to keep in mind in case you don't have available to you all of these herbal infused oils, but you're interested in using many of them. You may decide that you just have five to 10 herbal infused oils kicking around the house. And then if you need the therapeutic herbal actions of one of the other herbs on the list, you could either make or purchase a bit of the tincture and you could combine it and you could use it that way. There's a lot of really exciting material here. And there's a lot of diverse ways that you can both prepare and apply these herbs to the skin, both internally and externally. And while it may seem that some of this material is overwhelming and it may be hard to find a place to start, I'd encourage you to just start with looking into and getting to know a few herbs, making a few preparations, and then beginning to use them. And you'll notice that many of the same herbs can be used over and over again for a variety of different ailments. Um, And that would be one way to go about this would be to take a look at this list here and notice which ones are used over and over and over again in many of the different categories. That may be a good herb to consider making some medicine from. And then another way to go about it would be to look at some of these categories of herbal actions and think about which ones would be most helpful to you and your family, your particular needs, and then choosing one to two or three herbs from some of those lists to make an herbal infused oil from or a liniment, um, etc. And of course, any time you have these herbs available to you, dry or fresh, you can make 
um, a wash or a bath or a poultice or a compress, etc. So even if you don't have a liniment pre-prepared or an herbal infused oil pre-prepared, you um, have access to those other preparations. Feel free to consider using some of these herbs one at a time and feel free to also make some blends. You know, you could um, make a calendula flower liniment to use in a variety of different things or you could decide that you want to make a liniment for a particular function or use. Perhaps you want to make a general disinfectant first aid lin liniment and maybe you combine a couple of anti-inflammatory herbs with a couple of antibacterial herbs and you keep that on hand to use in your herbal first aid kit um, to use when you're kid falls down and skins their knee or when you fall down and skin your knee and then you have that on hand. So part of, of considering what the next step is for you is considering what your primary needs are in terms of your skin health and wellness and then taking your preparation making and your medicine making from there. And of course remembering that in many of these situations it may also be appropriate to combine some of the information that we talked about with using herbs internally to support the health of your skin. So making sure not to overlook that as a form of support for this amazing, incredible external organ. So have a great time making these preparations and experimenting. Thanks for listening. That was one of over 20 audio recordings from The Art of Home Herbalism Online, Brittany Wood Nickerson's introductory herbal apprenticeship offered through Time Herbal. You can learn more about the apprenticeship program, The Art of Home Herbalism Online, and other offerings from Time Herbal on our website, www.timeherbal.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope to hear from you. Take care.